Welcome to the Keeping the Dream Alive podcast brought to you by Torch Technologies. In this podcast, you will learn about all things Torch, from its history to its culture, employee ownership, commitment to the warfighter, our community involvement, and so much more. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen, and stay connected with Torch by following us on all your social media platforms. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you enjoy the Keeping the Dream Alive podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm looking forward to talking about Torch's history and what it means to be a certified evergreen company. I believe the story of Torch and the ESOP and Evergreen Company really starts with your experiences and your time spent at Nichols Research, where you began working after college up until 1999 when you were left with a severance check from their acquisition and not knowing what the next step would be in your career. Can you talk a little bit about your time at Nichols and how much of the structure of Torch resembles Nichols and how you and Don Holder, the co-founder, wanted to put a higher importance on the employees, particularly the employee ownership? Yeah, you know, I came to Nichols after working one year to another company here in town. And so, uh, for all practical purposes, I was right out of college. I'd had one year's of experience and and probably should have came to Nichols uh, in the beginning because it better matched what I wanted to do, and that's actually the reason I made the move. I realized I'd picked a job because of money and not because of what I wanted to do, so I came to Nichols to do what I wanted to do. And so, I had a, an incredible career there. Uh, from an entry level uh, to 15 years later, I was running a, a segment as a segment president and, uh, and uh, you know, had Nichols stayed in business, I probably would have stayed there and collected the gold watch and hmm. been retiring, uh, or I may have even been already retired. It was a great company, treated the employees well. Uh, it uh, uh, was just a good company to work at. Uh, while you know some of that declined as the company grew and went public, and we lost some of that uh, some of that enthusiasm for treating the employees well, it was still one of the better places to work in town, and we took a lot of pride because of the technical accomplishments of the company were outstanding. But in uh, 1998. Uh, you know, Nichols had started to get into the commercial business and to expand into other uh, opportunities and uh, had a hiccup and uh, missed quarterly numbers and the uh, stock price fell and then they followed that up with another quarter where they missed quarterly numbers and the stock price fell again. And then shortly thereafter, uh, uh, there became a bidding war among some of the other bigger defense contractors and CSC won that war and uh, acquired uh, Nichols Research, and and, uh, it was an instant overnight change. Not that CSC is a bad company, but the culture was dramatically different. This was a company with tens of thousands of of employees, whereas Nichols, when I joined it, had a a couple, maybe three, four hundred employees and had grown to be about 3,000, so the culture was dramatically different, and the shift was, was substantial, and then you know, as as they integrated us uh, into their system, uh, you know, a lot of us that were in the management team uh, uh, were no longer needed because they already had management in place. And while they, you know, a lot of the management at Nichols did very well at CSC, uh, you know, uh, some of us uh, uh, had the opportunity to find another position somewhere else. Um you know, I don't leave with any bitterness towards CSC. They were doing what they thought was best for the company, and, and I certainly think they treated their employees uh, for a company their size very well. But it wasn't like Nichols, and it was an entirely different culture. So it, it was just, you know, it was a mutual thing when they walked me to the door and, uh, 
you know, it, it wasn't like I was sad to be leaving. I was confused about what the future was. Um, you know, it, it that brings a lot of thought uh, uh, with how to proceed forward. I, I took a couple of jobs, uh, you know, and, and bounced around, but uh, those didn't match well with me. And, uh, and uh, thus, you know, I started to sort of scratch my head and decide, you know, try to figure out what the path forward was as I was still, you know, I've been at one job 15 years, and now in a period of two years I've bounced between two jobs and about to bounce to a third, and, and then it becomes uh, clear to me that the right thing to do is, uh, for me at least, is, is to start a company and try to start it around the values that I think are important in the company. I reached out to Don Holder. Uh, Don had uh, chosen to leave uh, uh, Nichols and had gone to another company here in town and had a number of employees that went with him, and uh, he was very successful there. But he also found uh, that uh, there were frustrations there, and, and he had started to think about retirement. And when I initially reached out to Don, he, he told me that he wanted to retire. And then as I started to, uh, started to uh, talk with him about, well, what happens to the employees that, you know, that went with you? What, you know, how do you feel about leaving them behind? And, you know and 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 sort of started to appeal to his sense of loyalty to his employees and 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 I could see that you know that was causing a great deal of uh of thought for Don and then uh, uh after a few weeks of having breakfast over at Rolos here in town Don and I, uh Don called me on the way to a football game in Oklahoma and he said I've been thinking a lot about this and I've had a couple conversations uh, with uh, key government employees and and he said, I think I'm, I'm in. He says, I'm in. He said, let's, when I get back in town, let's sit down and, and chart the future. So Don and I, you know, we sat down with a napkin at Rolos, and I wish I still had that napkin, but I do have the words that are on that napkin. They're still on our webpage today. And uh, we started to uh, scratch out what we thought this company should be. Uh, you know, we wanted the excellence in the, uh, you know, we wanted uh, to be able to make an impact in in the warfighter uh, uh, mission and make it safer for them and have them come home uh, all in one piece rather than losing uh, uh, arms or legs or eyes or, or whatever. We wanted to uh, start to have an impact there. And we wanted to have an impact for employees. We both had felt the pain of being acquired, uh, I guess, being sold uh, uh, essentially, I mean, that's, that's not something that he and I wanted to see the company do, uh, uh, because it had been so, uh, dramatic, uh, such a dramatic change for, for me, uh, and for him. So we charted that we wanted to go in a different direction. We didn't want to pursue what, uh, society viewed as success and that's build a company and sell it. We wanted to build a company that we thought would last forever and that it would keep the employees that were hired and it would create an environment where they wanted to work. Uh, we wanted that company to last beyond us. We wanted to design a system by which when we retired, there was a mechanism to buy us out and not have to sell the company. You know, the, the challenge with Nichols is, is uh, as the as the founder started to leave, uh, 
even even though they were public, the, the challenge and putting the leadership back in place and and uh, uh, the the founders uh, uh, monetizing uh, their value in the company uh, created unique challenges that made it very difficult to do a transition. We didn't want that. We wanted to create a company that lived beyond us. That's why it's not called Rorker Holder Research or <laughs> RH. You know, we we chose a a name that would live beyond us, and we tried to create a culture that would live beyond us. It was something that was very important to us uh, to come together, create and grow a new enduring private business that made a positive dent in the employee's life, the warfighter's life, and uh, the community around us. And uh, so, you know, we didn't realize it at the time, but... uh, you know, at the bottom line of this, we really wanted to be an evergreen company. And, uh, you know, while the term evergreen didn't exist 20 years ago, uh, that, you know, the, that is something that's really evolved in the, in the last decade. Uh, it's become clear, uh, that we are an evergreen company and to become certified as an evergreen and, and live our life defined by the evergreen principles is something that we needed to do. Yeah, and like, like like you mentioned, I mean, like the ESOP has been around since you started Torch. It was something that, that you and Don put in place right when you started. But certified evergreen is like a term that really has only come about in the last few years. Can you talk a little bit about the difference between what being an ESOP is versus being certified evergreen, and how really both work hand in hand? And can you address what what it really means to be an evergreen company? Well, an evergreen company, uh, you know, really has a lot of uh, tremendous advantages. Uh, it's an enduring company that, you know, you're planning for the long term rather than quarter by quarter or, you know, a lot of companies plan to quickly grow the company and sell it. You know, you're not putting a long term uh, uh, process in place that's good, you know, for all the stakeholders. It's it's just good for the stockholders. Um, and an evergreen company is really looking back at, you know, being in business uh, forever. So you start making long term plans. You make uh, commitments to people and and uh, and to careers that you can't do if you're going to just build a company and sell it. If you build a company and sell it, you have basically ha- what happens is what happened to Don and I. You know, you have the people that have that have done the best for you suddenly have their careers ended and have to scatter and start over. The value of an ESOP, uh, the real core value that that uh, was important to us, one. Uh, is it provided an exit strategy for the founders that uh, uh, a method for which we could sell our stock and not have to sell the company and that was very important to us but perhaps uh, was even more important we wanted everyone to share in the success of the company it wasn't just about Don and I making a lot of money selling our stock and going home we wanted everybody to participate everybody to have a stake in the outcome everybody to feel like you know, when I make a successful uh, uh, engagement with a customer, or I create value uh, for our customers or create something new that uh, makes a, a dent uh, in, in how our customers do business, that I've created value for the company, I've created a reputation for the company. And, you know, at the end of the day, we want to make a profit and, and create value for our employees' retirement plan. So the more we're able to do things that are moving the company forward, moving our customers forward, 
the better our employees will do in retirement. So, you know, we basically, you know, looked at the ESOP as a method to create careers, long-term careers that created value and strong retirements for employees. And we see that now. We see a lot of, we see a lot of our folks that have been here a long time retiring and retiring successfully, retiring and buying a motor home and seeing the U.S., retiring and buying a beach house and, and, and living, you know, living a dream they never thought possible just, you know, 15 or 20 years ago. The Evergreen, you know, versus the ESOP, uh, I think a lot of ESOPs are Evergreen. Not every Evergreen company is an ESOP because you can commit to the Evergreen values without being a an ESOP. But I personally think the best Evergreen company is an ESOP because it has made that commitment to its employees that they're going to participate in the success of the company. A big part of the Evergreen community is their structure of their seven Ps, uh, which include purpose, perseverance, people first, private, profit, paced growth, and pragmatic innovation. I'd like to address the first P today, which is purpose. The Evergreen community defines purpose as having a compelling reason for existing, a North Star above all else. Looking over the last 20 years of Torch and all of its history, the culture you have created, the community you have grown, and the talented employees that have helped Torch get to where it is today, what would you say is the ultimate purpose for Torch? And how did the employees pay, play a key role in a part of that? You know, uh, we've, we've covered some of this already in the comments that I've made already. But, you know, our tagline or our, uh, our uh, uh, vision statement or whatever is lighting the pathway to freedom. Uh, you know, it's changed a couple times over the years. Uh, it's gotten a little stronger. Uh, I, I can't remember exactly what it was in the beginning, but we were a little softer in, in, in saying we're something along the lines of we're helping light the pathway to freedom. As the company got bigger and stronger, we felt a little more uh, comfortable in saying lighting the pathway to freedom as we had successes and, and had major impacts on uh, uh, systems that uh, our soldiers and our warfighters use. So, you know, in, in the core purpose of the company, you know, we want to be successful for our customers uh, in, in creating value and, and helping the soldiers uh, come back home and, and be successful in the mission and, and uh, uh, show a presence around the world uh, that, that exhibits strength. But, you know, also our, you know, a compelling vision of ours is also uh, – uh, you see show up over and over again is the employee ownership aspect we want all of our employees to do well financially and as long as we're growing the company successfully and growing the value of the company and sharing that ownership with the employees you know that will create value for them uh that uh, uh you know as it, it starts like a little freight train and you get a you know, a little bit in the beginning, and then you get a little bit. And before you know it, uh, you know, somewhere down the line, and I know a lot of folks are at this point, the, the ESOP uh, is growing faster than, is, is growing more each year than your, than your salary is. And it doesn't take a lot of years till that, uh, that after that happens, still you start to be able to, you know, plan for, you know, uh, uh, retirement. And, you know, one of the things I really like is for people to be able to retire a little bit earlier. Not that I want rid of people. You know, I want people to stay as long as they want to stay. But have the ability, you know, I know at least, you know, some of our employees have had family members that 
are sick or have Alzheimer's or need care or whatever, the ability to make that decision to go home at, uh, a couple years early and go home and care for a family member. I know, you know, one of our early retirees wanted to do a mission. They wanted to do it while they were still healthy. Uh, they had a purpose in, in their life that they wanted to serve in that mission. And, uh, you know, they have just done some wonderful work uh, for a lot of people. And for them to be able to retire a, a couple years early and be able to do that while they still, you know, had good health, you know, things like that, uh, you know, when I see things like that happen, I realize that uh, the the real key of why, why we uh, – made the decisions to do the company this way is really we're seeing the the fruits of our labor bear out in uh, uh you know that is you know really at the root of the purpose of what uh what that's really what don and i had in mind when we scratched out on that little napkin over at rollo's just about just about exactly 20 years ago um maybe just a month shy of 20 years ago it was during the summer we met for several weeks, and uh, you know, I actually uh, found the notebook a few days ago where my notes were, where we started to roll out and uh, and uh, and uh, do the do the pieces to found the company. And uh, so we're here at the end of June, and I had a whole lot of activities in July. Of course, we opened the company in October. There's a lot of things you need to do to get things in place. We had some homework we needed to do to see. You know, if the customers would even be receptive to us, you know, before we uh, hung a shingle and 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 uh, sank uh, our initial investments in to try to uh, make this company go, uh, but uh, it was a compelling uh, vision for us to to keep uh, keep uh, to build a company in a way that it met those two key attributes. We wanted to be successful for the customer and we wanted to be rewarding for the employees and uh you know a lot of other things that have come around that uh you know and given back to the community you know those those at the time were probably a little little less uh in the key spotlight certainly as we became successful and started to make money and had money to give back to the community they quickly rose to the front and center but in those First days, you know, we wanted to create a, a business model uh, that uh, we thought would last forever. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, now 20 years later, uh, I think uh, we hit on a good uh, good thing. And then we had a lot of folks who came on board who complimented that and uh, helped us uh, refine pieces of that model. And, uh, uh, and it ended up building a culture where... You know, everybody's got a stake in the outcome. If you work here uh, uh, for more than a year and have ownership uh, in the company, if the company does well, you do well. And the longer you stay, the the better you do. And uh, uh, that's that's the idea behind it. So, you know, the, uh, you know, my my recommendation is to get in and and stay to that five, six, seven year mark till you start to see the impact that the ESOP will have on your life and and then stay to that 15, 20-year mark to where you can start to see, I can start to uh, think about, you know, uh, planning uh, for the future, planning for the time when I don't have to come to work and, and have those extra few years to go play. Um, and Or you can be like me and not figure out how to go home early. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, you know, that really gets back to, 
you know, what's our purpose? Uh, our purpose is take care of the warfighter and take care of our employees. And now we've added to that. We want to take care of our community. We want to be good stewards of the community. Uh, I wouldn't exactly call us an environmental company, but we also do a lot of good things uh, that, uh, you know, as we as we do uh, uh, our facilities and those kinds of things, you know, we've we've gone to to uh, uh, systems that uh, uh, use low power and you know try to be good to the environment. So. You know, a lot of the a lot of the attributes of the Evergreen uh, really are you know at our core uh, at our core values and our core purpose. So. Well, thank you so much uh, for sitting down and talking with me today. It's it's been great learning a little bit about the history and kind of why you started Torch and that why the employee ownership is such a big part in Torch's uh, ethos and why it's just an important part of the employees that you have here, the community you've been able to create, and the employees that have been able to achieve great things after leaving at Torch. Um, it's also great learning a little bit about Certified Evergreen, and I look forward to addressing some of the other P's in, in, in future episodes and kind of addressing how Torch has been able to really be a Certified Evergreen company before you even knew what Certified Evergreen companies were. So thank you so much. As I, as I, as I would part uh, with my comments today, I would say, I would, I would challenge you and say, you are the successors to our dream. It's up to you to keep our dream alive. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Keeping the Dream Alive podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen and stay connected with us on social media for news and updates surrounding the company. Thank you so much for listening and we hope you enjoyed it.